When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. There's a touch of madness around here. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, Matthew Collar in for Phil today. We are, we're trying to track down Lindsey Whalen right now. And as soon as we do, we will talk to the Lynx guard and the Gopher women's basketball coach. Um, but... Give me the uh, breaking news slash interesting news that you just saw on one Theodore Bridgewater, Matthew Collar. Rich Samini of ESPN reports that Teddy could be traded if Sam Darnold takes the lead for the job in New York Jets camp, and I would imagine that they want Sam Darnold to win that job. Even though you might have a franchise quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, if he wins it, that would create... A little bit of an awkward situation with the guy that you traded up to draft in Darnold. Right. And if the veteran if the veteran starts the season, you can always be like, okay, the transition's going to be natural. But if Teddy plays really well and plays great, you're going to create competition for Darnold. And this might sound crazy, but it might not be the competition that you want because you want Darnold to feel as emboldened as possible, correct? Yes. Is that and the best way to put it? Usually if you look around uh go back through starting quarterbacks, it's very rare that they don't start in their first year quite a bit, even with Mitch Trubisky last year. It was, well, you know, we're going to have Mike Glennon in here, and then three games or four games, and it's like, okay, this is just Mike Glennon. I don't bad. know if I get it's that, time to though. move on. I don't know if I get that. I, I would argue that the best thing that you can possibly do for a young QB is allow him to watch a year. You think that's the best thing? I think yes. I'm a big fan. Unless you are just convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's Andrew Luck or or a generationally great QB, I think this need now that we have to immediately play QBs doesn't give them a chance. I think there's so much to absorb in year one that if you just put them in the meetings and, and in practice, that's a lot right there. I think it's different for everybody, that certain players do need a little more time. And we asked John Fox about that last year, about starting Glennon, and he talked about how valuable it was for Trubisky to see how it's done leading into an NFL game and sit on the sideline and watch someone who's done it before and learn about the preparation so he would be ready when he actually had to face that. And I think there's something to that. Deshaun Watson was the same way, where... Everyone went, oh, how could they not start Deshaun Watson right right away? They tar- What was it like? Um, Tom Savage? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they started Tom Savage. Yeah, was, so. that was bad. But Deshaun Watson in preseason wasn't that good. And they had every reason to be concerned that he wasn't quite ready to start. And then after seeing him 
And seeing Tom Savage, they figured, well, might as well go to him, and he was really good. Uh, But I think there's something to that of learning how to prepare for an NFL game because it is so much different than college. Mm -hmm. On Teddy, let me say this, and this comes from a cynical, crusty guy when it comes to sports. I am rooting for him, and I'm not rooting for him because I want to see him succeed to prove something to the Vikings. Matthew, I am rooting for him because he seems like a genuinely good guy. He was a good quarterback, and his career was nearly ripped away by a freak thing. I would love to see him succeed. I think there is there is no bone in my body that wants him to fail. I want him to succeed. I think that everyone feels that way. I mean, even if you doubted Teddy, even if you were somebody who complained that he didn't throw enough touchdown passes, you want to see him go somewhere and return to being a franchise quarterback and have a great career. It wasn't his fault that one day his knee just completely gave out and it, it was totally unexpected and non-contact and just a very weird and bizarre thing that happened to him. But how hard he had to work to come back. When he was in the ambulance, they thought he might lose his leg. It was that serious yeah. that they told him, you might lose your leg. Yep. That is insane mm-hmm. to have to deal with. And then everyone said, he's he's done. He's never going to come back from this. He's never going to play football again. To even get back on the field, to even be a backup quarterback last year, they could have been in the game. He was one play away from playing a lot of snaps last yep. year. Yep. And to even get back on the field was an incredible accomplishment. And Mike Zimmer said that over and over again, that what he went through to even play again, it says a lot about him. And then to see him last year, I think if you were going to really have a reason to root for him, is how much he supported Case Keenum. And then you saw that when Bridgewater went in the Cincinnati game and Case Keenum was on the sideline leading the skull chant. Mm -hmm. That became a really good relationship with those two. And you could have seen Bridgewater have every reason to be kind of miserable about that. About like, oh, I, I did all this to come back, and now this backup quarterback is in there instead of me, and they, you know, they won't put me back in. But there were times where Teddy Bridgewater on the sideline was watching and looking at the things that come down, the pictures and, you know, on the iPad. And he was pointing things out to Case Keenum. I saw this that the defense was doing, so you should look for that. And it, it led to some good plays. They, they talked about it. He I just mean, seemed talk. I mean, think about that for a guy from his just his leadership and how he was in the locker room. That's one of the reasons that everyone bought in so much to him. We, we say lots of good things about folks and mean some of them. In Teddy's case, I can't think about I can't think of one bad thing I heard. Like behind the scenes, you hear yeah, lots of bad never. things. Hold on a second here. I think we got her. Waylon, what's up? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We are doing good. Um, start you off with this one. You're, you're 15 and 10 now, the links are, and things are going well. But how weird and or slash difficult has this year been to get to 15 and 10? Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been, well, the three and six start was obviously, you know, difficult. So that was, right. that was tough. That was, um, that was probably something we, I mean, we've never gone through. We weren't prepared for just because we usually get off to such a great start. So that's been, um, that was difficult, but you know, honestly, it's been, you know, since then we won seven in a row, and then uh, for a stretch there we were playing 500 basketball, and now we won three in a row going into the break. So we're feeling pretty good. We're in third place, and um, considering where we were after that three and six start, it's uh, it's looking pretty good right now for us. 
Lindsay, I need you to explain something to me that I watch your games and I just don't understand how she does it. Sylvia Fowles scores all of her points within one foot of the basket. How does she get so deep? At, I mean, usually all the great bigs in this league, the the grinders, Cambage, the, the, and yet she's able to push them around and get so close to the basket, and that's where it seems like she gets all of her points. How does she do it? She's just so, I mean, she's just honestly so strong. I mean, she is She's six five, and she's also really athletic. So she's, you know, not just working on, you know, kind of bearing her player and putting them in position. She's so strong that she's able to, um, you know, just, uh, you know, strong and agile. So she's able to use both of those in her um, in her favor, and then just her timing as well is really good. So she's able to read when that player relaxes, and then she can use her footwork to make a a really great. Um, you know, seal and post play, and then she just goes to work down there. It's pretty, it's very impressive. So it's, uh, like you said, all to have all of her shots from that part of the court is really impressive. And uh, it's something that, I mean, she's, you know, she was MVP last year for a reason. And, uh, you know, we're glad she's on our team. Were there adjustments that had to be made after last year? I mean, she was always a good player, but it seemed like last year she took that even to another level, and teams would be doing everything they possibly could to try and keep her away from that spot. Uh, it, was it different? Was there some adjusting early? Well, I mean, I think the double teams this year, that, that so many teams have double teamed her, so playing around that has been something that we've had to work on quite a bit. We had a really good practice the other day where we we really just focused on on her getting double teamed for a majority of the practice on offense. And so it was all about moving, um, moving, cutting, making the right read, shooting when you're open, because if she draws so much attention that it's really important when it, the ball comes to you to make it, um, you know, to make the right decision and, and make the play to help the offense keep running. Explain this to me because this is not your your team is not a young team, but you you've brought brought up before uh, on several occasions the fact that this is a team that actually thrives and or plays better after practice after you you've had an extended time to practice. What's your th- theory on that? Because if this was a young team, I would say okay, I get that because adjustments have to be made in practice. But you would think just off the top of your head, with, with a group of vets being thrown together, that that you guys could go out and play very effectively without much practice. Why do you think practice helps this team so much, Lindsay? I mean, at times we at times we're, we're a really good team, but that's because we have practiced so well throughout the years, and at times we really. <laughs> For, I mean, we lose our, I don't know if it's, I don't think I know if it's focused, but it's, we lose our, our kind of our fundamentals and our mus- muscle memory and things like that. So, um, to get into practice for our team is, we always play so much better after because, um, coach is able to watch video prepare and then she puts us in those drills that prepares us for the next game. And we're always, we always feel like after those practices, then we really know, okay, that I need to focus on this for this game or my footwork in this drill needs to be better so then in the game you just feel more confident with it so um so yeah I don't know maybe just because we need to we all need to always be coached and be taught and you know we need reminders and so um I think for any more than anything it's just like a muscle memory thing you know and it's just it's just being able to always have that okay you know in this drill get my foot over quicker against the pick and roll or um, look for this on offense I think it's just always you're always learning and you're always trying to get better and we have a lot of players on the team who who always want to get better and always want to 
make the right play. And um, so when we practiced, we, we, we usually have really good games after that. Lindsey Whalen joining us, Matthew Collar filling in for Phil Mackey, along with Judd Zolgad. Lindsey, Diamond to Shields drops 25 points the other night. Asia Wilson has put herself into the MVP candidate in a race, I think. This draft, it seems like it's upped the entire level of talent of the league. Can you compare from when you first came in to now how much this league has grown in terms of talent? Yeah, I mean, the talent's gotten a lot better. I mean, um, you know, those two players are good, but they're on losing teams. And so, I mean, the winners on the, the winners in the league are still the vets. And so, you know, it's, it's great that we have those young talents. But, you know, it takes a while for them to, it takes a while for them to learn how to win. I mean, which is a process, you know, it took us a while to learn how to win too when we were younger. But, you know, at the end, you win, you win with vets. I mean, the last two finals have been LA and us, and we're two of the older teams in the league. So those players are great. The talent is great and all, but when it comes time to winning and when it comes time to making the playoffs, it's always the veteran teams, and that's just be from experience. And so once those talented players get that experience, then they're going to be really something to deal with for sure because they are, they are they're getting a lot better, and it's really great to see. Um, so once they're able to put that together with um, you know some experience, um, it's going to be scary to see. So I'll be – I'll be watching those players in a couple of years. <laughs> Lindsay, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't pulling a Kelsey Plum. I wasn't calling you old, you know. No, it's just the fact of the league, though. I mean, I'm just... It, no, I heard some it, competitor it, there, there, definitely, <laughs> Waylon. That was some competitor. That was these young it's kids. True. I know, it's but it's great. Every year they come in, and it's great. I mean, we sat with Elena Deladon and Griner and, and Diggins, and none of those players made the playoffs their first year. And these, I mean, these players are great. They're very talented, but it takes them a couple of years to get to the point where they're really able to make an impact. I mean, it's, it's what it is in this league, and, and it's, it's great because you have, so you have a lot of fans who are really watching Asia Wilson, Diamond DeShields, Kelsey Mitchell, all those players. But it takes them a couple of years to figure out, okay, and from the college level to the WNBA level, um, you know, what it takes. And you're right, the competitor in me did just come up. <laughs> is it because, I like that. Is it because yeah. there's just so much talent from team to team? I mean, you know, the All-Star game is coming up, but it seems like every night, if you're a fan showing up at Target Center, you're seeing All-Stars on every team, people who have won championships, people who have represented the country. I mean, like, every night, if you're a rookie, you've got to go up against that, and there, there's no way of uh, emulating that talent level when these players are in college. Yeah, and, and then it's just, too, there's so, and from college you go from where you're having, you know, two games a week or, you know, some weeks you have one game a week and you have a ton of practice time to now it's you're playing, you know, three, four times a week. These players have been doing it for, you know, 10-plus years. So they know the rhythm, they know the routine, they know how all that stuff goes. And then, so, yeah, it is. It's I mean, it's tough. It's tough coming this league. I, we all experienced it, um, you know, at one point or another when it was our, um, you know, time to be a rookie and all that. And so it's just, um, it takes a while. It takes time. And, and I'll tell you this, though, the gaps, I mean, they have really come in and, and, and done, um, you know. Don't back off now. And, Don't back huh? off now. Don't back <laughs> off now. Stay competitive. I love that part of the show. Listen, let me tell you, when those players have made, you know, how, I don't know how many finals we've had. Then we can talk about it. But right now, they are, I mean, we'll just talk about how talented they are. Okay, so you broached it. So I'll ask. You said in in a couple right. years. In a couple years, I, I look forward to seeing these young young <laughs> players thrive. I can't be getting on too many posters at this point in my career. What? Yeah, 
What is what is your timetable for continuing to play? Do you think, Lindsay, at this point? I'll reevaluate after the season. You know, I'll see what um, I'll kind of just see how things are going after. I mean, it's it's um, it's been tough doing two jobs this year. I'm not gonna lie; it's definitely been it's definitely been hard. But it's been you know, there's new challenges and fun. I don't want to say it's been you know too much but it's, it's a lot I mean to be a you know a player a point guard of a WNBA team and the head coach of a of you know the U of M is it's a lot it's a lot so we'll like I said we'll see uh, we'll see what happens after this year um and then I'll just kind of reevaluate but um but yeah I just don't want to get put on any posters you know so you say Asia Wilson <laughs> she's probably going to be dunking in a couple of years so I don't want I don't want my I, I want to be putting people on posters and I don't want to be in the posters as you know getting dunked on is is there a way for you to kind of enjoy the moment here still? I mean, you you put up twenty two points the other night, and mm-hmm. you know things like that. It's got to be. It's just got to be a crazy existence for you with trying to handle both. But I mean, in a way, like this is still something super special you get to do. It is. It is. I mean, yeah. And so when I'm not, you know, yeah, you definitely have to take that perspective. You have to be able to like, you know, understand that there's. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of good for sure. And so then it's, it's definitely, um, you know, something where you gotta, you got to focus on those things as well. And so that, you know, it's nice having the all-star break too, to kind of sit back on the first half of the year is kind of up and down as it's been. It's been, it's been good. We're in third place. We're feeling good. And, um, like you said, it's been quite the experience on being able to do, um, you know, both things here. So it's, I'll be able to write a book from the summer. We'll just say that. I'll be able to write I a book. You, on, you know, some of the things of, you know, the 5 a.m. flight to get back to recruiting and, <laughs> um, and whatnot. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's been fun to have like, a really good support system on, on both sides of the, you know, both sides of the ball. And then, um, you know, also from, uh, you know, family and, and friends, honestly, it's been, it's been a lot. So it's been, it's been good. Um, uh, and and yeah, and like I said, we're fifteen and ten, and um, got a lot of good things on the horizon for the second half of the year. It should be fun. It's going to be a sprint to the end. You guys see our schedule after the it's uh, absolutely crazy. It's insane. It's crazy. Three games and four nights to start off, but yes, I'll tell you what. I'm resting up this weekend because just you know recharging the batteries and getting things going. And I know the All Star Games in town, but it's definitely um, you know a good chance to recharge the batteries as well. Guess happy for our four All Stars though. That's for sure. Yeah, so happy for our four All Stars. Yep. Guess what's back? What's back? The fast break is back. Oh, man. We're back in studio, so it's... I was actually depressed all week from no fast break. Well, <laughs> be depressed no more, because it's Lindsey Whalen answering, answering the tough questions in the fast break. I'll start you off with this one, and this comes from producer Dave. Who is better at their sport, you at basketball or your husband at golf since he is qualified for the U.S. Am? Oh man. Um well let's see. I mean I have a gold medal, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you might drop your husband, poor Ben. <laughs> you just might drop him. He said the same thing. Well, I know, but still that was great. Okay. No, that's I- really awesome. I mean it's it's cool. I mean the USAM is like it's a really unbelievable um I mean that's he's been trying to make it since he was a freshman. He told me the other night this is the coolest thing he's ever done in golf. So yeah, this is this is pretty big. I wish I could go watch, but we're going to be in that crazy part of our schedule. So, um, you know, he'll be out there. I know his parents are super excited um, to go out there and watch. So it's fun. I mean, it's awesome. He's, he's playing great. I mean, there's no question. But, you know. But you I have, have a gold medal. 
I'll just leave it at that. I have a gold medal. <laughs> now, if he wins the USAM and gets to play in the Masters and the British Open, then we have to reopen the conversation because, you know, that'd be pretty cool to play in the Masters. Not going to lie. Uh, Lindsay, which WNBA All-Star is the most fun slash challenging for you to play against? Oh, let's see. I would say uh, one of the quick young guards, uh, Chelsea Gray. She's super good. Yeah. She's She's so good. She, and the thing with her is um, she uses her body so well. So I'd probably say Chelsea Gray. That's a matchup that's, um, that's difficult for us for sure. What will the Vikings record be in 2018, Lindsay, and how far will they go? Your favorite team. My favorite team. I'm going to go 11-5. Um, I know we have, you know, Super Bowl aspirations. We've got the, the squad and everything. I'm going to go 11-5 and five because I feel like every time you go in the, a season hype, everybody gets so up for you, and then it yes. kind of struggles through. But I still think I still think that um, with, you know, Cousins and with everybody we have coming back, I think we're solid. I, I, we'll win the division. I'm confident in that. It'll be um, – so, yeah, it should be good. Lindsay, Kobe Bryant did a breakdown of Maya's shot the other night on TV. It was awesome. Who has oh, the that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Who's got the sweetest shot? The one that you're jealous of? I would say well Maya's is Maya's is very good. Um Diana's is great. Um, you know, very technically sound. Um so yeah, I would say one of those two. Um and you know, they're two of the best players ever. So it's it's definitely that'd be fun to have one of their two jumpers. Thank you, and enjoy the break. Get some rest here before that crazy stretch, Lindsay. I shall. Thanks, guys. Talk, Talk to you later. Next week. Yep. All right. Always oh, oh, a fun conversation. I love the competitiveness there, and I'm I'm not joking. That's just awesome. When she basically <laughs> took your question. <laughs> These kids can wait. These and, kids and, can wait. And I was sort of alluding to that ratings are up for the WNBA. That yep. was out yesterday by 38% they're up. And Good. I think a part of it is that the new generation of players not only is really talented, which they are more talented than I've ever seen as far as a draft class, but also good at kind of promoting themselves mm-hmm. on social media and having the personalities, and it's it's been a really fun season because of that. Take a break. Uh, stuff is right around the corner, and don't forget a scoop with Doogie at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Right now. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd today, Matthew Collar and uh, Zolgad. Uh, stuff you should know about right around the corner. Let's go back to our uh, Joe Buck poll that we have up at our Twitter site. Uh, what Twitter do we got right, right now? now? I am scrolling down to it. Let's see here. All right. The hatred began when he chastised uh, Moss in 2005 for a, quote, disgusting act. But then uh, Joe came back, made the great call of the Diggs touchdown to beat the Saints. Have you forgiven Joe Buck? It's not really that close right now, gentlemen. 38% have. That's sixty-two percent have not. Oh boy! So, so now he's wow. he's pulling away again. And and keep in mind, this was January of '05. So this is this is a the the disgusting act call is a long time ago. So sixty-two percent to still be no. This is why I say we hate him. So I went down the hall and asked our resident Packers fan here, Fensky, who uh, does Elizabeth our events, Fensky, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and uh, she said that Packers fans don't like him either. I th- so, I believe that. Where do you stand then? I mean, Vikings fans will go on and on about, oh, he just loves Aaron right. Rodgers so much, and he wants to marry Aaron Rodgers. And then Packers fans are like, no, no, he loves the Cowboys, and he gets on our nerves. I 
So I don't know. But back to Jeff's call where he accused Joe's father, Jack, of being biased against the Twins and and pulling for the Braves in 91. That is a new one. That's the normal fan observation, though. And I think that guys like Jack Buck in this market annoyed people. And I think he annoys, and I think Packer fans don't like Joe, but but I'll go back to what I keep saying. I don't think they hate him. I think he was hated here. Because Randy was God, yeah, right? Yeah. So Randy was God, and Joe had the audacity to lash out against Moss. So it, it would have been much different if the perception was, well, he likes Aaron and the Packers or Brett and the Packers at the time. But I think this is a different level in this town of yes. animosity towards Joe. I agree because the disgusting act quote, it just has that capability of spreading like wildfire of people being mad about it. And and this was even before social media. I can't imagine oh. what it would have been oh, like Twitter? if Twitter had been around and he had done the moon and Buck had said that's a disgusting act. But even then, though, among fans, it, it has that capability because it's just so memorable to make it an inside joke for Vikings fans forever mm-hmm. and also resent the guy forever. Because if you were a Moss fan, you were definitely thinking when he did that, this is Moss being Moss, and this is great, and screw you Packers. That's what you're thinking if you're a Vikings fan, and this guy is ruining your great touchdown and your hilarious moment with the best player or one of the best players in your franchise's history and your best player of an era. I mean, you can see why you would hold that against the guy. He ruined a a great moment. Yeah, and if that had been... So if a Vikings player had done that who was not that popular, I think people would have been upset at the moment, but it would be long gone by now. Eric Gulliford has pulled a disgusting act. That's very good. Number 84. You know what he was famous for? Yes, I do. His famous play? He caught a 45-yard pass, right? That was him, Eric Gulliford? Yeah, from Jim McMahon against the Packers on the run against the Packers to set up a game-winning field goal. And wasn't that the play where there were people to this day in Green Bay who who claim he came off the bench to, to do it? That he was so Maybe. unaccounted he was for. Wide that open. he was so unaccounted for. There were Pat, the conspiracy theory from Wisconsin was that he was not in the play. It was his only catch, and that as a Viking. Yes, yes, very, very good. See. You're, it's closer now than ever before that Matthew Collar is one of us. So you're you're getting. I don't think you're there yet, but you're getting real close. I mean, there's a reason I know this for an article that I'm doing about the number 84 and and Randy Moss. But um, I've been watching a lot of old Vikings from the 90s, and I it's have fun. come away with a lot. It's a who's who of quarterbacks. It, yes, Moon, yes, and McMahon down to Salisbury, Gannon. It's a who it's so much fun. The Gannon thing they were good. The, the Gannon thing was kind of fun because he you could sort of see it what he became, but it just wasn't really consistent. So you could find games where you're like, "Wow, he's accurate and he could sort of if go not, off script and make some plays and run a little bit." If I'm not mistaken on Rich, he was drafted out of Delaware by New England, but the Patriots were, were going to move him to running back, I believe. He's they were definitely going to switch him yeah. and he said, "No, no, no, I'm a quarterback." And the Vikings traded for him. So the Vikings were on the right track. They just didn't give him the opportunity. Like he finally got it, I think, in Kansas City and then obviously Oakland. But, um, yeah, the the Vikings in the 90s, the quarterbacks, it's so much fun because it's such a a wide swath of different people. And and some were former stars and some were still there. I miss those days. I think we are past those days of where these Sort of uh, journeyman quarterbacks go from team to team to team. I think if the I think if the starter gets hurt, that they can still be the backups. 
Yeah, they're still the, right. They're still but, around. But as like, far Trevor as Simeon's still around. But as far as now, now Moon they traded for, and he still was good when he got here. But as far as the as far as those guys actually getting starting jobs, I think unless I'm wrong here, I think it's it feels like it's less and less. So one year the Detroit Lions make the playoffs with Eric Kramer, Rodney Pete, and Andre Ware makes an appearance too. Andre Ware, I believe, was a Viking briefly, and they make the playoffs that year and lose to Brett Favre on a famous throw. But I mean, that used to happen all the time. In the Silverdome, yeah. Rodney, I remember that Rodney Pete was some team's legit starter on a fairly competitive team a couple times in his career. Yep. That just doesn't really happen. If you get your one shot and then that's it for you. If you're especially if you're a, a draft pick quarterback, you yeah, usually don't you get, get that you you're, usually you're right. don't get that second shot. Hey Dave, what's coming up in uh, stuff? He's back for another year. Wackiness at the trop. And we'll get Marshawn Lynch. A little bit unfiltered. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. The Mackie and Judd show rolls on. It's go time. You and me. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Introducing Domino's Hotspots. Get pizza delivered to outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more. Not at home? Not a problem. Visit dominoes.com for details on Domino's Hotspots. What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. I want to know. Rick's really excited for stuff today. A lot of woos. Yep, he's very excited for stuff. He can't wait for stuff. Real real, real fast. Real fast. Uh oh, Matthew Collar breaking in. Yes. Quick, Quick message to reporters everywhere. Yes. Stop it. With the training camp play-by-play, you stop it and you stop it right now. I just retweeted a guy who is watching New Orleans Saints camp who tweeted this. Hendrickson tipped a breeze pass at line of scrimmage. All right, can I tell you something just quickly myself? When I was the lead beat reporter, the number one guy in this town on the Vikings beat, I I tweeted play-by-play, and I told other people to stop it. But you did tweet it? Yeah, hell yeah. But you wanted others to stop it. Well, then I would have been the exclusive source. So of you course they did. You were controlling I was the trying, narrative I was from the tra- sidelines. Yes, from Mankato as people sat at their workstations desperate to know what was going on in the sunbaked fields. They needed more Zolgad. They wanted more Zolgad. <laughs> they got a lot of Zolgad. How yeah. many followers did you have before they stole away your Twitter? Let's not call it stole away. It just became a little bit of a debate. Sixteen thousand plus, and now I'm at around thirty-two. That's it. It was only about sixteen thousand. I guess yeah, that would have yeah, been a good yeah, number. But sixteen thousand in two thousand and ten or so was seen as a lot. Right, and they probably were real, which I is prefer not to think of stealing of away. Now. I'm on very good terms with the folks at the Star Tribune and like them very much. Those were some of my friends. Okay, they took it back then. Oh, they definitely reclaimed it. Reclaimed. They definitely reclaimed it. Yeah. I'm Man. up over 1,100 now. That, Are you really? That old Judd Twitter was so much better than the new one. The purge has been great for me. All the bots are back, and they're all following me. It's I, fantastic. Okay, if the bots are back, I, I went from 32, like, 1 down to 31.9, and I'm not 232 yet. So my 
Where are my Russian bots? Well, the bots love my stuff, I guess. Oh, the bots came back? Oh, yeah. I've got at least 100 bots in the last few days that have joined on. And by the way, the bots thing, they miss me. They Why did they have to drop off? Or maybe they're not bots. Maybe they're all new users that are joining just because they know I'm on Twitter, so they all follow me. I don't understand. I don't, really I don't understand why why the bots had to go away. I mean, they enjoyed the Zolgadian, you know, well, witty. They're good for your bottom line, I guess. Woo! Let's talk about the Rays' continuing uh, innovation. I guess we call it. He got it. A swing and a miss, and the Rays win this one. Gardner out on strikes. Romo closes it out, and boy, what a finish on this one! Rays win it three to two. New York leaving two men aboard in the ninth. Sergio Romo saving it isn't the innovative part. He does that a lot for the Tampa Bay Rays. How they did it is a little different. Taking a page sort of out of Joe Madden's book, Romo comes out and gets the last two outs of the eighth inning, goes out for the ninth, but doesn't go out to pitch. He goes out to play third base as they employ the shift. They bring three guys over on the uh, right side of second base. Sure enough, ground ball hit to the second baseman for the first out. Romo takes the mound, and he finishes the job. Rays beat Yankees. Love it. Love it. Allow me to geek out. So cool. It's awesome. So cool. I think it was Greg Bird at the plate, if I remember right, leading off the inning. It was. They they showed the spray chart on the, uh, on the, the, the piece I was looking at this morning, and he had like something like two, three, maybe four ground balls hit to to the left side all year long and sure enough they got him to roll over and hit a five hopper to the second base has to be the first time in baseball history that the save in the box score goes to the guy that didn't in, in the box score didn't finish the game correct Wait, he, did, he, won, uh-huh. he, he did he finish, did finish the he game did finish. but he did but in the box score he pitched and then he got replaced and then he came back in from third base oh so, he's so not the last if you name. look and he's not the final pitcher in the box score oh, for the true. Rays. so it has to be the first time in recorded baseball history that if, in 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 50 years if you look at this box score mm-hmm. unless it explains what happened it's okay. going to have Romo in the game pitching an inning and a third I believe getting a save but not being the last pitcher of record in that box score for the okay, Rays, which is what, what makes me want to geek out so badly. I believe he's the first guy to play third base and get a save in the same game. He I is. believe I had that number. And I think he's only the third pitcher, perhaps, in baseball history to play third base and pitch in, in the same game, the first since 1971. Intern Max is breaking it down. I'm sort of a nerd. Sergio Robo is the first player to play third base and be credited with a save in the same game since Joe Gideon in oh. 1913. Joe Gideon? Old Giddy. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows Joe. Well, how are these? How is he credited with a save in 1913? The fireman Gideon. They weren't keeping that stat in 1913. Yeah, you know, Max. Dave, That's from MLB Random Stats. Jeremy Frank tweeted. We it. didn't go back and retroactively reward saves, though. Dave's right. The first, the, the save rule was uh, Bernie Linscombe of the Chicago Tribune came up with the save rule in 1969. All right, you're really, you really are a nerd. You're a wonderful, oh, wonderful nerd. I love. I'm dead that. serious. I know you are. It's great. It, it, it's a flawed. It's a flawed thing to the same. Real sports are becoming all of my video games because I told you about this last right. year when you're, Hunter you're right. Green got drafted. That I created him as a fielder, but I routinely would bring him into pitch in the video game. And <laughs> I play Stratomatic too. I'm just saying. He finds the time. I. So How are you married? Here, okay. Funny Stratomatic story. A few years ago, I had this idea in Stratomatic to start the game with one of my best relief pitchers because I, the other team had three really good 
uh, first hitters. So I thought if I can get through them, I could bring in my crappy starting pitcher second inning, and he won't have to face those really tough hitters. The league yelled at me, and they what? said, "No, you've got to have guys who are starters." You were the Rays. The game. You were the Rays before right. the Rays. The I, Kevin Cash. The I invented it. I invented it with a video game. <laughs> I used to always shoot threes, and then the Warriors copied me. I've gone for it on fourth down every time for my entire life on every Madden game, and now everybody. Now Doug Peterson is taking my ideas, going for it on fourth down. Let's start consulting. And, and when it comes to hockey games, you've always played for puck luck. Okay, so hockey's a little different. Go talk to someone's hockey, ass, you're happy. Hockey, so you skate down to the right side of the uh, goalie, and then you come back out and you shoot it short short side. It goes in every time. It's just, you can't do that in real life. Well, you could, but... But, you know what I would do in hockey? All skill players. What good does a fighter do you on a video game that might not have fighting? Or it doesn't really matter because I don't mind if I get whipped. It's just funny anyway. You know what else you need to do? So I would have four lines of skill. That's happening. What the Caps do on on the power play. Quit having two units of power play. Yeah. Leave your power yep. play guys oh, out totally. there the entire time because you're going to have stoppages in play. They can rest. Ovechkin doesn't come off the ice. I would never dump and chase. And now teams don't do that as much anymore because they are um, emphasizing possession. You're you're just you're welcome, sports. I came up with this stuff already. Dave, you got some more stuff. We're <laughs> ran a little long on that yeah, one. Yeah, we really did. I mean, I'll have we more rambled. stuff. You know, you got to hit the thing, though. We rambled. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. And yeah. the collar top. <gasps> I'm sorry. Uh, on the uninterrupted, Marshawn Lynch cool. recently sat down for an interview with Matt Barnes, touched on a lot of issues. You may have seen the thing where he recreated his drive around uh, the Cal field on the injury uh, cart. But I, I knew he, he talked it, yeah. about it anyway, didn't actually recreate it. Well, this is him talking about the play we all know and love, the interception at the end of the Super Bowl that caused the, safe, the Seahawks Super Bowl, and specifically how it was in the huddle. A couple bleeps in here, as you may imagine. If it's anybody that can make some magic Russell happen, make it happen, it's this Because I've seen him do it on many occasions before. But then, I mean, you know, just the honest to God truth, I, I you know, sometimes I, I think, like, do you think you should have audible? And I mean, at the end of the at the end of the day, like, not mad at him, not mad at who called the situation or the play. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you like this. When that play was called and I seen the expression on the other 10 guys' face in there, all they eyes was like, if we was in the huddle like this, because I'm standing on this side. And everybody got their head down there when they heard the call. Even the receivers, all they just was like, and they looked right at me. And I'm looking like, break, what, what you want me to do? Yeah, I mean, he, don't blame him. Still don't blame him to this day. I could never forgive One of the stupidest things anyone. So wait, wait, wait. Just to be clear on if that. I was him. Just to be clear on that play. Was that play sent into the huddle, or did Wilson audible... It was sent into the huddle. Sent in, yeah. By Daryl Bevel. Yeah. Okay. So, because that still makes no sense at all. It's still one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Hot take. Not a bad play call, bad execution. It's Russell a, Wilson it's deserves a bad the blame. Play call. It's a bad play call. It's no, bad it's not. Play. Why the no, ball? Here, here's why. Right I've, I've heard this Switch. argument. I've heard this argument. Because people will say, oh, look at the numbers. They rarely throw interceptions down there, right? Now, here's my problem, though. You have the best running back in the NFL right. at that moment. The yes. most unstoppable, dominant running back who is destroying everyone and in that football a game. Load. And you so. decide to throw it to a guy who basically has hardly any career catches. It The personnel matters for the decision. Even if the defense was right for the Patriots, 
even if throwing generally works in the red zone, you are throwing it to a guy who isn't any good versus handing it to one of the best running backs in the history of football. Second down, you had two more chances. Don't throw the pick, Russell. Not a bad play call, terrible execution. I mean, I don't even think the execution was that bad. It was just the Patriots guy jumped it. He saw it was coming. And a better receiver, I bet a better receiver, senses that quicker and jumps in there and knocks the ball down. But instead, you decide to throw it to a terrible receiver. Great play. Who was the receiver again? I don't even know. Wow. I don't remember. Was it Richardson? Who I, don't was even, it? I don't remember either. It was Lockett. I'm watching it right That's now. That's right. He's a great player. Who, who the heck is that? He's not. A, that is not a great player. Run that is not Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> run the ball. You can run it on Just third or fourth. I don't care. You got nine in the box. Give it a shot. Russell, don't throw the All stupid right. pass, time out. idiot. A scoop with Doogie right around the corner. Mackie and Judd. Collar uh, in for Phil today and Feisty. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. It's one of the funniest things that ever happened in sports. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul. Sunday, October 7th, accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty. As two cities cheer you on, run the most revered event in Minnesota running. It is the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. So question for you, Judd. Do you think that somewhere on Twitter.com, your old camp play-by-play tweets exist? Um, I don't know, and here's why. Okay, so who's the guy that took your account? Dan Wiederer, who's now at the Chicago Tribune, uh, took took my. They gave him my account, but I don't. But he doesn't. I don't think he kept that account long term. The issue, the problem that the paper didn't see forthcoming, was that Dan got a lot of people who were like, "Bleep you!" I was on here to follow Judd. Like they just thought it was because it wasn't a Vikings account. Like it wasn't Star Trib Vikes. It was like Judd Zolgad yeah. or something like that. And so Dan's like, I, I don't want this account. I, I don't need this harassment. So did he change the account then? Like, I think did they he changed start, the, Did he start his own? Well, I think at that or is time. it still the same? Because if it's still the same, I might be able to find these. Um, my, my guess is because I think he then started his own account eventually. Mm. Now, it might not have been until he got to Chicago. So that so then the question is is would my account my account is probably that account I don't know how it's named now is probably sitting somewhere dormant yeah is that's my what I guess. that's what I want to find this is like because a, when guess investigative report because Ben had his own account that he just took so there's no way there's no way that he he would have kept my account right and and it was Matt Vensel before Ben whom I don't know I my my guess those is those guys it's dead. probably had their own and my guess so my guess is my account's dead. Yeah, because Dan's right now, it only goes back a few years. Yeah, and that's his Chicago Tribune tenure. It's got to exist somewhere if no one deleted it. Well, why don't you try and find it? Just keep poking around. Oh, I'm going Just to, keep yes. poking around. But my play-by-play was from camp, from Mankato, was beyond Who would have been a player outstanding. that you would have been covering in like 2009 that you might have Percy? tweeted about? A lot of Percy. Yeah, but if I, type, if I type in Percy, people... Like, like, like there's what a do you million want from me? Percy tweets. Oh, you're looking for I mean, for, uh, someone like, there's no way anyone else would have tweeted about this unless you were covering the team. I need to go back and look at a roster now because those names I probably have mostly forgotten. They disappear quick. 
like out of your head? As soon as all yes. the guys get cut, you're like, um, I have no okay, idea who they are. Okay, okay. Uh, here's what. Here's one of a 2009 draft pick <laughs> who actually played well, but he wouldn't be, but because he, he was an old lineman, wouldn't have a, had a ton of following. Phil Lodeholt. Okay. Try Phil Lodeholt. That one wouldn't have had a ton of. I don't think it would have had a ton of following. Yeah, I'm gonna keep. I'm name. gonna keep working on this. I'm gonna keep investigating. Here. All right, uh, Doogie with a scoop is coming up next. We will uh, find out the latest on what's going on with the Vikings and when the hell are the Twins gonna start to trade, guys. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do on 1500 ESPN.